Hope you all are doing okay. Thank you, praise team, uh, for that. Uh, right before I begin, I just want to hand out some thanks to some folks. First of all, the Christmas decorations look amazing. Um, thank you to Vicki and Mary Beth, and I don't know who else helped do this. I, there was a lot of people in here last week, uh, you know, decorating, a lot of youth helping out. So thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. Looks, looks amazing. Looks great. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I wa also want to say thanks to our ladies' ministry, our youth, Encounter Youth, and Community Kids. Uh, look, th these groups work together to help out some kids in our community, specifically Richlands High School and Richlands Middle School, uh, some, some kids that, were, that are, uh, you know, less fortunate, and, you know, the holidays, especially Christmas time, um, you know, they just don't get things like everybody else does. And so, you know, we were able to, because of these uh, groups working together and your generosity, um, they were able to help and sponsor 10, at least 10 kids for Christmas. So let's give them a hand. And I think, um, you know, Jason, even, uh, you know, you're all going to help go after church today and go out and, and help another child, right? So, look, hey, that, that's amazing. Um, let's show, showing the love of Christ to others. Thank you all so much. So we just finished a real important series called The Word. And, you know, we wanted to uh, take a closer look at the importance of the Bible. And, you know, I hope you enjoyed that series. And I hope that it helped you um, with God's Word, with reading it and applying it and loving it and craving it and really holding on to it because it's God's word to you and for you. Um, and now, today, we're going to start a Christmas series, and really it's going to be different, too, you know, because Christmas can easily be a routine that we kind of get into, right? Um, one of the things that we just is busy, and we seldom have time to stop and think about the importance of things. I mean, we kind of do, but do we act like, you know, do we do we really just stop and just reflect on what Christmas really means. And so, you know, this series is called The Heart of Christmas. What I want to get to is what's at the heart of Christmas. And, um, you know, it's about a lot of, of things, joy, peace, getting together, together with family, you know, presents, you know, getting kids presents and getting each other gifts and, you know, sharing and happiness and it's about all that. That's good stuff. And ultimately, though, uh, Christmas is about Christ. It's about Jesus and centering around him and focusing on him and gazing upon him and looking upon him and turning our hearts, our hearts to him. That's what Christmas is all about, worshiping Jesus. And so with that in mind, it's a, Christmas is also a good time, actually it's a great time to focus on your heart. Your heart. You know, in this series we're going to look at some familiar Christmas stories. and th These will all be familiar to you, but we're going to focus on some interesting things going on in the hearts of these people because I think there are very important lessons here that we seldom think about or talk about, but it's there. Actually, it's, it's the heart of Christmas. And when you read through these stories together, and it's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful. I want to share this statement with you. 
here. The heart of Christmas is a heart that is faithful. A heart that is faithful. I don't know if you ever went into a Christmas season like thinking this or not, but is your heart faithful? As Christmas approaches, as, as the date on the calendar, you know, comes comes closer, are you thinking, man, God, uh, am I faithful to you? You know? You know, as the Christmas story begins, we are introduced to two people, a family, husband and wife, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Right in the in the beginning. This is how the Christmas story begins here. And and Zachariah and Elizabeth, listen, we're going to read about them today. What I want you to get is they were faithful. They had faithful hearts. They were a faithful couple. And the Christmas story begins with showing the faithfulness of these two. That's how we should begin Christmas, considering the faithfulness of our hearts. Now, I'm going to read through this story. It's found in Luke 1. Uh, If you want to turn in your Bibles there, we have Bibles under the seats, or the Scripture will be on the screen as well. Now, there's a lot of verses here, but I'm going to go pretty fast, so let's just, let's begin. First of all, Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. So the re- one of the reasons I love Luke is because he's smart. And he throws in a lot of details that normally people would just leave out. And so he gives us the time, the time of Herod, king of Judea. So really rough time, really a bad dude there. It would have been difficult to be faithful to the Lord during this time. And this is where it begins. And then he talks about Zechariah, who belonged to this priestly division. So we know that Zechariah is a priest, right? A a person of of high standing in society. And not only that, but guess who he's married to? This lady named Elizabeth, who is a direct, listen, a direct descendant of Aaron, right? What this means is direct descendants of Aaron, all the males were priests. You did not have a choice. So get this, her dad, her grandfather, her great-grandfather, her brother, her uncle, right? Priests. Imagine being at that family dinner during Christmas. And you're like, "Uh, can I go hang out with my friends? No, right? I mean, it's kind of like Footloose. Remember that movie? They were like frowning on dancing and I don't know, never mind. That's Elizabeth, that heritage, that rich family, religious heritage together, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Verse 6, both of them, very important, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They were both very old, right? So the story here begins with two prominent people, um, two faithful people, strong heritage religiously, strong faith, respected and well-known by everyone. 
they had a problem here. They couldn't have children. Elizabeth was not able to conceive. You know, maybe you have felt like Zechariah and Elizabeth at some point in your life. Maybe you feel like them today. Not necessarily talking about not being able to have children. Maybe, maybe that's you. But maybe you have been faithful. And you're wondering, what's going on? Right? Like, I've been doing this, serving you faithfully, doing these things. And I've got this need, and it's not happening, right? Maybe you've, I know I've been there, and you're wondering why, or is it worth it, or do I continue to go on? And maybe you feel left out by the Lord. You know, long, maybe you find yourself or have found yourself longing for something that just never, ever happened. You know, Christmas especially is a reminder that God can do miraculous things. There's nothing impossible for God. And that God is, is full of grace. And God is full of mercy. And God is full of love. And it's in this moment in this story, this transition, this problem that we are introduced, it's, it's at this moment where God steps in in a miraculous way. Luke 1.8, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense... And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. All right, so um, you may have never thought about this, but there were a lot of priests during the time of Zechariah. A lot. Uh, estimates are around 18,000 priests. That's a lot. Now, the temple was pretty big. There were a lot of things to do in the temple, but not nearly enough things for 18,000 priests to do. So how do you manage all that? How do you even organize that? Well, hey, they just cast lots, right? Drew straws. Seems like a pretty practical and uh, useful way to get things done, right? To organize, to assign duties. Hey, let's just, who's got the shortest straw? It's your turn, right? That fell upon Zechariah. He was chosen to burn incense. Again, something that we just overlook. But incense was a big deal, big deal. And when you read Exodus and Deuteronomy and you see how the Lord established the tabernacle and the mercy seat and the, the, the incense table and, and, man, it was it was between the mercy seat and the priest. And, and the incense burning represented the prayers of the people going up to God. What an amazing privilege that Zechariah had. You, you need to understand something here. Getting this lot to burn incense would have been like winning the lottery. Remarkable, amazing privilege. Prayers going up to God. Now, was this a coincidence, or did this happen by just chance, or was it Zechariah's year finally? Did he get lucky? He was right where God wanted him to, to be. 
you see, because um, verse 11 says this, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. So get this, Zach, Zechariah drew the lot. He, he was able to burn incense for the people, representing the prayers going up to the people. And while he is doing and performing these duties right in front of him, an angel appeared. Now listen, very important. This is the first time that an angel appears to anybody, anybody in the New Testament. It's right here. Verse 13. The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will... You are to call him John. You know, we are never told before this that Zechariah had been praying. So it's interesting to find out that the angel says, don't fear, the Lord has heard your prayers. So get this, it's his job to come in and burn incense and to pray for the people. So what's really going on here is Zechariah, as he is praying for the people, is also praying for the void in his life. And He had been praying to the Lord for who knows how long, probably his whole life. He's very old now. His prayer's been heard. The angel said that Elizabeth will will have a son. They are to name him John, and the angel goes on, verse 14, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. In other words, the angel was saying, look, Zechariah, you're going to have a child. Elizabeth is going to have a child. It's not going to be a normal child, though. It's going to be a very special child. The Lord has a special plan for him. Verse 16, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit of and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want you to notice this. This child, John. You notice the words bring back. Turn the hearts. Make ready. The whole purpose of John's life The beginning of the Christmas story here shows us the importance of preparing our hearts for the Lord. Turning to Him. Making ready. Making preparations. Focusing on our hearts and making sure that they are focused upon Him. Man. So a big announcement to Zechariah. A big, huge announcement in his life. How would he respond, right? Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. So Zechariah, still probably gripped with a little bit of fear, a little bit of awe. He, he's struggling here 
Can't you see that? He's struggling. He could be possibly even be thinking, man, this is a dream. Is this real? Right? And Gabriel had a little attitude. You know, he took a little bit of offense to, to this, not being believed, right? Maybe he's cranky. I don't know. But look, verse 20. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you do not believe my words, which will come true at that appointed time. So we learned two lessons from that. Don't ever talk back to an angel. right? And never mention your wife's age. Ever. <laughs> Verse 21. So all this is happening inside there. Big, you know, miracle takes place. An angel appears. Now Zechariah can't speak, right? Meanwhile, verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why, what's going on in there? What's happening in there? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. So people were outside of the temple waiting. Now here's another thing that you may not have known. The custom was for the priest to go in and burn incense and offer the prayer. Then after that was over, the priest came outside and the people were waiting and the priest would say a prayer of blessing upon the people. Sort of similar to what the Pope does today. You know, you've seen him standing outside the window and waving at people and doing all this stuff and, and the people are outside, oh, bless me, bless me, bless type of thing. That's what they were expecting. It had happened Every year, as long as they can remember, this year the priest comes out and he goes, I got nothing for you, sorry. You know, I mean, just imagine being there and seeing that and be like, oh man, you're getting nothing for Christmas this year, right? <laughs> he couldn't speak. Verse 23. When his time for service was completed, so the way this worked is when they the, the priest would draw a lot, their time of service was one week. Okay, one week. So even though he couldn't speak, he's just, hey, I'm here, I'm just going to do it. All right. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. I want you to just pay attention to that word favor there. We're going to talk about it some more in just a minute. Hey, <clears throat> Elizabeth is just basking in the favor of the Lord here, right? She's glowing in the Lord's favor. She, she became pregnant, right? Never never able to become pregnant. Her husband couldn't speak. I mean, come on, ladies. Why? Like, would that not excite you? I mean, how great would Christmas be if your husband couldn't speak and complain about everything? It'd be awesome. But also, we read later in the story, I'm not going to read this part. You can read it on your own. Uh, she would be visited by a relative uh, she had by the name of Mary. 
she'd be visited by her. And her reaction when Mary shows up and the Lord is, is in Mary's womb and Elizabeth's re- reaction is, who am I that you would visit me? That the Lord, the Messiah would come to me. You see how favored that she, she really is. Verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. All right, so get this. The baby came, right? And usually, the parents name the baby, don't they? And here's other people coming around and and. Wanting to name the baby for the parents, that's crazy. And Elizabeth said, had to say no. She had to put her foot down. That wasn't good enough for them. So notice what they did. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Sorry. Right? Don't, don't really matter what you want. It says they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. So... They're trying to communicate with Zechariah the best they can. He can't speak. And now we know he can't hear. Because otherwise they would have just talked to him. But they're making signs. They're trying to communicate. Hey, your wife's about to make the mistake of her life. Right? You name a baby and you you can't change that, right? I mean, now we, we can. Just go to the courthouse. Or something like that. I don't know, really, but. Then you can't. These people were persistent. Notice what Zechariah did, verse 63. He asked for a writing tablet. And everybody's thinking, he's all right, what's he going to do? He's going to say his own name, all right, or he's going to pull out a great name from the Old Testament, right? He wrote, his name is John. Man, how great is that? Not, we're going to name him, or he shall be called, or, no, it's already done. His name's John. I love that about Zechariah. And notice what happens. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, woo, praising the Lord in that moment. Right? Praising the Lord. Verse 65, all the neighbors (laughs) were like, hey, whoa, all right, you name him whatever you want to. They were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Man, what a great story. That's all I'm going to read of it. Um, Chronologically speaking, you know, you've got Malachi in the Old Testament, then you've got a period of about 400 years that's in between the Testaments. And you've got this. I know we've, if you read your Bible, Matthew's the first book you come to, but it's not chronological. This is the first event that takes place.
amazing, amazing story. We learn some things. It's, we see the story of God's plan to save the world. And if you're a student of the Bible and you read some of the Old Testament, you start to see that unfold a little bit more as you go along and, and unwrapping and unfolding. And you get here and it becomes really, really tangible. Like, okay, it's not just words now. There's, there's literally like people and babies involved now. Like it started, right? It's, it's churning and it's building momentum and you begin to see God's plan to save the world come to fruition right before your eyes. It's also a story of God's grace. Man, I love God's grace. I love these names, Zechariah, because it's my name. Um, it's, <laughs> Zachary is a form of Zechariah. And so, like, so when I was born, my parents told me this. Um, Zachary was sort of a weird name, right? Like 40 years ago, uh, and somebody got, I can't remember who, but somebody got my mother a plaque that said Zachary, and it had my, the meaning of my name on there. It's the same meaning of Zachariah, it's just a form. And it means this, the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers Zachariah. And I'm looking at his life, and I'm like, man, okay, the, the Lord remembers you, right? Grace. And then we look at Elizabeth right? Elizabeth. And Elizabeth means this, God is faithful. God is faithful. And we look at Elizabeth's life, and man, what she was faced with, and the years that she struggled and doubted, and wondered if God loved her. No, 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 Elizabeth, God is faithful. And we get to John, and, and we're like, who what kind of name is John? Anybody ever read John in the Old Testament? No. Right? What, what is that? It means the Lord is gracious. Grace is what we see in this story. But for today, I'm going to finish here. We see a story of faithful hearts. Faithful hearts. Zechariah and Elizabeth, very old, very faithful. I want that to be the word that describes my life when I get their age. And husbands, how good would it be if your wife was the same? Faithful. Wives, how good would it be when you get very old and you have a faithful husband? Man, faithful. They were faithful to their duties. They were faithful to each other. Look, they stayed married. How easy would it have been for Zechariah to have left? To have wanted a child that bad to, all right, I'll just marry somebody else. How easy would it have been for Elizabeth to like, make plans to continue their line? You know, sort of like Sarah did with Abraham? She didn't do that faithful and, and you know what I, in their story there's not one single word that shows that they become bitter in how they lived and how they served Zechariah even though he struggled a little bit 
he obeyed the angel, didn't he? He did. Even when the pressure was on, right? Hey, no. His name's going to be John. And look, they were faithful, but they remained focused on the Lord. Even after their great miracle, even after their great blessing, as soon as Zechariah could speak, the baby had already been born. As soon as Zechariah could speak, you know, he didn't go over and, and want his first words to be like, Son, I love you. The first words from his mouth were praise to the Lord. And he could have been all wrapped up in his son, which would have been a great thing. We love our children, right? He focused and praised the Lord. We didn't even read his, his song that he wrote for the Lord. He wrote a whole song. And Mary, when uh, Elizabeth, when Mary comes to visit her, she could have said, hey, girlfriend, guess what I got in the oven? <laughs> she didn't say that. She said, who am I that you would c come to me? Whose baby was she focused on? Do you see that? Man, faithful, focused. This whole story blows my mind when we see what John the Baptist did when he was older and his purpose in life was to prepare the hearts of the people for the Lord, to turn them back to the Lord, to make ready. We see that in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We, we see it in this family. Man. How does this apply to us? I want to share one last statement with you, then I'll read three verses, then we're done. Uh, the heart that is faithful to God is favored by God. And we know that God is gracious, and that he shows grace to whomever he wants. However, the Bible is full of proof that God favors those who are faithful. There's a special place in God's heart for those who have faithful hearts. There is. It's like that, you know, you love all your kids, but you got a favorite. You will not admit that, but it's true. There's a special place in God's heart for those who are faithful to him. Psalm 37.3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, notice this, and befriend faithfulness. Hey, make faithfulness your, your friend. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How good is that? You know, while you're here, while you're in the land of the living, while you're in the present, while you're going about day in and day out, hey, be faithful. Be faithful. While you're going through the mundane, the nine to five, the ten to ten, whatever your schedule is, hey, hey, be faithful to the Lord. Serve him with all your heart. And this is what the Bible says. He will give you 
the desires of your heart. Man, God will fill and fulfill those deep voids that we all have, those deep longings that we have that nothing else can seem to take care of or, or satisfy. We are faithful to Him and we serve Him faithfully and the Lord will begin to remedy that in His own way. In His own way. God favors the faithful heart. Proverbs 28, 20, a faithful man will, not might or may, or possibly will abound in blessings. And I don't know who doesn't want a blessed life. I want you to ask yourself this, am I being faithful to the Lord? Am I being faithful day in, day out? Throughout my routines, throughout my ordinary life. And if you're like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like if that's you, and you've been faithful, you've been serving the Lord, and there's still just things going on, and there might be a struggle there for you. Just I want to encourage you to remain faithful. Remain faithful. What we learn from this story is you remain faithful, the Lord shows up in big ways. Takes care of things that you thought were impossible. Does things, extraordinary things, when you use faith in your ordinary life. Man. And if, if like, you're feeling convicted now, and you're like, man, I don't, I'm not really sure if I'm being as faithful as I need to be. Today's a good day to start. Christmas season, man, it's a good time to think back and think, am I faithful to the Lord? I want to end with this, 1 Samuel 12, 24. These are Samuel's last words to, uh, to Israel here. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully. And I see that I when I look at Zechariah's life and Elizabeth's life, I see this. I see this honor and this love and respect and desire to serve the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. But notice this, consider what great things He has done for you. Isn't that good? And I know Christmas is a time where we're kind of looking ahead and pointing forward. It's also a great time to look back. Man, what great things the Lord has done for me, isn't it? Zachariah and Elizabeth were on the front end of this. It's interesting. They never actually lived to see the gospel unfold. But you and I, we know the whole story. Looking back, how blessed are, are you? What great things the Lord has done. Um, so we got a real tree this year. And you know, I didn't. I didn't do the Clark Griswold thing and cut cut my own. I wanted to, but I still hauled it on top of my car, <laughs> and it was funny. 
Um, it's kind of big. It wasn't really tall, but it's a little full, a lot of sap. Sorry. And it was kind of weird getting through the doorways. Um, so there might be some scratches here and there and some definitely lots of pine needles. Um, but as I was dragging that thing, like, <laughs> up, up the steps and, like, through the doorways and struggling to set it up, you know, I couldn't help but think of Jesus uh, dragging the cross. That tree and... and going to Golgotha, carrying it that far. I mean, literally having his head like propped up against, that's how I had this tree. It was like all up, in, uh, you know. And as, as you are decorating your tree, I know everybody does this, you know, you take your Light, string them on the tree. You couldn't help but think of Jesus, the light of the world. The light of the world. The one who, <laughs> who said, let there be light. Was hung on this tree, right? And then we all do this, we, we all got, got our special stuff, our special ornaments, like, like our kids made when they were in first, second, third grade, right? The real ugly ones. <laughs> but you know what? Would you sell those? Would you sell those? Would you give those away? Think about God, God the Father taking his the most valuable thing he had, put it on this tree. Christmas is many things, but it's a great time for us to remember what the Lord has done. For you. It's a reminder of God, you're faithful. It's a reminder of God, I need to be faithful to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness to me. God, as we begin to enter into this Christmas season, so many things go through our minds, so many thoughts, so many activities. God, I pray that we would just stop and rest and think about how you love us. Think about what it means. Think about your heart, but also think about our hearts. God, you've done great things for us already. You want to do great things for us in the future. But God, you want our hearts to be faithful. I pray that today, those who are faithful that are struggling with discouragement, doubt, 
problems, insecurity, issues in life. God, I pray that you would strengthen them. Help them to remain faithful. God, for those that today realize that they've got some work to do, that you are calling them back to you, that you are turning their hearts toward you. God, I pray that they would surrender their life to your service. As we see in Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were given over. Their hearts were given over to you. And that's where you want us, God. And that's the heart that you will bless, and that's the heart that you favor. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to come into this world to save us. What great love you have for us, God. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.